welcome to the Homegrown Sunshine Podcast, the place where we gather to discuss the arts, the practice, the highs and the lows of cultivating a wholesome and culturally diverse home education culture for you and your entire family. My name is Kainana Winarena and I am a proud homeschooler. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome and introduce you to our host, my amazing mum, Alberta Stevens. Hello, lovely ones. Welcome to episode seven of season one of the Homegrown Sunshine podcast with yours truly, your host, Alberta Stevens. In this season, we have been focusing on rituals and practices that shape the cadence of our daily and seasonal home education rhythms. So if you've been following, you'll find that so far we have had the privilege, or I have had the privilege, of sitting with some of the most formidable and inspiring home education parents to discuss their rituals and practices across topics like our daily rhythms, um, Lenten practices, summer learning rituals, music study, and most recently, nature study rituals. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to yet another outstanding homemade mum who also happens to be an art historian, and we will be discussing the practices and rituals that make up her art study rhythm at home. Rebecca Jemet from the Meet the Artist family recently blessed the home education community, especially in the UK, with her knowledge and expertise by creating a series of weekly um, art study resources that any family, whether you are, you know, brilliant at art or not, can really just pick up and go. And I from people who have used this, the reviews that I've read, it's it's meant to be a fantastic resource with artists, a diverse range of artists from all over the world. So if you've ever wondered how art connoisseurs encourage art and creativity in their homes, then this is the episode for you. The Charlotte Mason Picture Study, or Art Appreciation as it's sometimes called, approach, is a pleasant and simple as well as accessible way to introduce art appreciation to children, even if you don't consider yourself to be um, creative or an art connoisseur. Um, Art is widely encouraged and practiced across all home educators, regardless of what philosophy you use. Um, Creativity is intelligence, having fun, said Einstein. It is widely believed that art is considered an effortless expression of our souls. Yet increasingly, because of the way art is taught at schools, many people emerge into adulthood convinced that they are no good at being creative or artistic. I can testify to that because I think until I had a child... Um, whom I try to encourage to be creative, I never really dared to explore my creative side because I was convinced that I wasn't very good at drawing or being artistic or creative in any way. Um, And I don't think I'm the only one who um, thinks this way. In fact, Ken Robinson, one of the most well-respected authorities on creativity, said this about the subject. Most of the most brilliant creative people I know did not do well at school. Many of them didn't really discover what they could do and and who they really were until they left school and recovered from their education. I think that says a lot. Um, and if you haven't watched Ken Robinson's TED Talk, which is probably one of the top three most watched TED Talk talks in the world, I really would encourage you to go look for it. I believe it's called uh, Our Schools Killing Creativity. In my home, despite not receiving any form of art education or seriously, um, I have actively encouraged my son to be creative uh, and artistic using various media. Being a visual and kinesthetic learner, we having a go through experiments, modeling, role play, and other representational art forms is a major part of how we home educate. And, and it's also why home education is a lot easier for us. Uh, we explore creativity through technology and science, architecture, music, film, literature, history, and dance. Um, 
we we use various forms just to make the learning come alive. And I suppose it's more important for me to do so, especially because I have been home educating an, ho- an only child. So I've had to find ways to make it come alive for him. Charlotte Mason's emphasis on educating the whole person as opposed to just their mind, i.e. they're educating the mind, the body and the spirit, has encouraged me to be intentional about exploring traditional handicrafts in in our home. So, you know, the most of the afternoons we spend either outside doing physical activities or if we're home, we, you know, put our hands together to to do various things like whittling, needle felting, sewing, modeling, clay modeling, um, as well as other forms like coding, robotics and music education. Um, My son is very big on films and creating costumes and things like that. So I've got my mother who is so good at crochet um, and she can be found on Magabi Crochet on at Magabi Crochet on Instagram. She makes all sorts of wonderful uh, winter wares, um, crochet winter wares. Um, but anyway, sidebar, <laughs> I tend to rope her in also to teach my son how to crochet and myself and and to 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 sew. So we don't we cross all gender, you know, parities here when it comes to creativity. Um, yet. What has been the most fascinating part of um, our art and creative journey for me is art appreciation or artist study, uh, which I mentioned before. Uh, this is the, um, the the method within the Charlotte Mason um, approach that encourages children to study a particular artist as work and life at a time. So we would pick, let's say, Monet for maybe about six weeks and we would look at maybe six different pieces of his art and spend time once or twice a week to observe one particular picture for a period and describe it and try and represent it and various things at a time until we're fully familiar with that picture and then we move on. If you are interested in exploring um, art study in this way, I would encourage you to have a look at um, my autumn series of A Liturgy of Love where I look at two different artists, both a a sort of European classical artist and a culturally diverse artist. So that's really important to me that, that, you know, diverse cultures such as black, African, African African-American cultures, um, Asian, South American artists are also represented in this sort of um, canon of a breadth of artist study that we offer our children. Uh, I think when I started, I found that that was lacking for, for, lack of a better word. And so that's those are one of the things that propelled me to create my resource, A Liturgy of Love, so that my son can see artists and and musicians, composers that look like him in, in what he was studying. So I'm particularly pleased to be speaking to Rebecca today because she's also passionate about bringing in artists from different backgrounds into um, the 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 sort of broad um, artist study sphere as she has done in her recent series of Meet the Artists um, resources. So I can't wait for you to listen in on my converse- conversation with Rebecca. But before I bring Rebecca in, um, I'm going to give you a moment to grab your pens and papers because you're going to need them, your warm drink and to get comfortable as Rebecca's daughter Leia reads us a beautiful poem. Stealing the Screen by Monica Yang. It was hardly a high-tech operation, Stealing the Screen, that we knew for certain. And what was left behind? A store-bought ladder, a broken window, and 51 seconds of beauty. Abstract as an overture. And the rest, we don't know. We can envision moonlight coming through the broken window, casting a bright shape over everything. Paintings, the floor tiles, the velvet ropes, a single sharp edge pattern. 
the figure's thick hysteria, rendered suddenly ironic by the fact that something happened. Houses clapping a thousand shingled hands to stop cheeks along the road from Oslo to Asgard Strand. The guards rushing in, too late, greeted only by the gap-toothed smirk of the museum walls, and dangling from the picture wire like a fated hook. A postcard. Thanks for the poor security. The policeman, lost as tourists, stand whispering in the gallery. But what's it all mean? Someone has the answer. Someone who, grasping the frame, saw his sun-red face reflected in that familiar boiling sky. Hello, welcome back everyone. So, as I said, today I am so excited to be speaking to Rebecca Jemmett from Meet the Artist family. Um, Rebecca, as I've mentioned, is a mum of three. She is a Christian home editor who lives in Bristol and she is a art history graduate and a self-confessed art history nerd. She studied history of art at the University of UCL. Um, and enjoys reading about artists, strolling around galleries, doing a little bit of art creating. She's a runner, an avid reader, and I must admit, I'm utterly impressed that she joined the Literary Podcast Challenge and read 20 books for 2020. Now, I know that I read a little bit more than that, but admittedly, I cheated. I, um, I listened to most of them, and my books were not even close to as intense as what this, the, the literary podcast um, list that I've seen of Rebecca's. Um, so really impressed that she was able to fit that in with three children. Rebecca, as I understand, is also a wild and free mama. She um, um, does a combination of Charlotte Mason, and I noticed quite interested in unschooling. She's passionate about creative um, and project-led um activity doing creative and project activities with her children loves to learn alongside her children and noticeably what I find most impressive about Rebecca is the balance she shows in nurturing her own passions um, alongside the interests of her children so ladies and gentlemen listeners I would love to welcome Rebecca onto the show welcome Rebecca thank you so much for having me absolute pleasure so, um, Rebecca, I've noticed your um, curriculum, Meet the Artist curriculum, over the last year, and I've seen it do the rounds of people that I um, admire. I'm yet to um, start using it this, this semester. Mm-hmm. And as we started doing this series on um, rituals and, um, and practices in home ed, I thought, who better than <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you? Because uh, I, I've yet to see anybody in the UK who's done what you've done and, and sort of bring in the, the Charlotte Mason approach in a way in terms of artist study as well as the practice and works of the artist into um, an in- interactive curriculum. So it's, um, it's quite exciting to speak to you today. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> wonderful. But before we go on to that, um, as I usually ask most of my guests, I'd like to know a bit more about you. How did you come to home educating? Because I'm sure when you were studying and, you know, sort of moving into um, history of art and all of that, you know, this probably wasn't the vision you had in mind. So how did you start homeschooling? What propelled you to it? Sure. No, I didn't. Um, this wasn't particularly the plan. I don't think it is for many people, is it? But um, my husband, so we met at university. My husband wasn't home educated, but knew quite a lot of home educators when he was a teenager. Right. And he was um, really impressed at the time, even when he was kind of 12, 13, by how mature they were. And he was mm-hmm. kind of aware he wasn't as mature as them and really kind of saw something in them. So we, we were kind of talking about having a family after we got married. And I think he was always quite keen, but I thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> um, so I kind of took longer to come around to the idea. But then when it came to applying for school places for our eldest, it just didn't feel right, basically. It just didn't feel like the right thing to be sending him to school. Um, he was quite shy and nervous. And I think I just thought this doesn't feel right. So maybe I will listen to 
um, what my husband has been sort of right. mentioning yeah. for a while. Um, and we just, we applied for a school place, but we just didn't take it up. Okay. And then basically haven't looked back since then. Um, so yeah, we have three children. So they're now 12, 10 and eight. So yeah, we've mm-hmm. been home educating for uh, seven years, eight seven years, years, something like okay. that. Um, so yeah, quite a while now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, that's the basic journey. I suppose like everyone, we've kind of tried different things, but um, have always been, yeah, like you say, a sort of mixture of Charlotte Mason and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and and you're enjoying it, it seems, clearly, because you're now yeah. contributing <laughs> to the body of work within home home education, which is fantastic. So by the time you decided that you weren't going to send your eldest, had you already had your second child by then? Um, we'd already had our third, actually. Oh, They're quite close together in age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think, had we? Had we? So I don't know. I think probably. It's all a bit of a blur. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, yeah, he, um, yeah, our eldest was only three and a half when the youngest was born. So, yeah, we had all of them by then. So, yeah. it was, I don't know, it did seem a bit like, wow, can we do this? <laughs> yes, you're um, yes, yes, I can understand that. Wonderful. And it's also quite rare that, I mean, actually, you're you're the third person that I've spoken to that has said that your husband initiated the conversation. Um, In my experience, no, it's really interesting because in my personal experience, it usually takes a while to get the husbands to come around. (laughs) But I'm I'm finding more and more people um, say, oh, no, actually, it was my husband's idea. Um, <laughs> so That's I, I, interesting, I, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And it makes the job a lot easier when I think the husbands are on board um, rather than yeah. you filling your heart with all these desires and longings and then you have to spend a whole time, uh, a long time persuading someone else who's not on board, which is, it's just amazing, really. Yeah. I've always yeah. wondered if... I don't know, men, this is a massive generalization here, but (laughs) boys generally find it harder at school. Yeah. So I don't know, like I didn't kind of hate school. I didn't, you know, I didn't absolutely love it. Whereas I think more men I speak to possibly have a more negative experience of school. Yeah. So I don't know if if there's, yeah, that's one of the factors. Maybe there's more dads who are, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think you have a point. My personal experience resonates with that. I, I didn't have a difficult time at school. I moved schools a lot. In in fact, different countries and different schools within its in-country. But I always uh-huh. settled in quite well. Um, my, my son's father, I know, I'm not sure if, I don't think I'd be speaking out of turn, didn't necessarily have um, good experiences at school. But uh-huh. he's got opposed to school and he at the same time I must admit that he was very supportive of my decision to home educate because he knew the challenges our son was getting at school um, uh-huh. and, and drawing from his own experiences from school that he didn't want his son to go through that as well so um, it, it was it was a lot easier a run than other people have had trying to convince Mm -hmm. their partners um I know some people you know have had to go to court and things like that to especially when families aren't together as was my in my case but you know I thank god that it was a lot easier a process than than it could have been wonderful so um I I read with intrigue as well um that you you know you 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 sort of lean towards a Charlotte Mason approach I could see that Mm -hmm what I've read of your curriculum but looking at your Instagram page um every other book that you showed or you talked about was all about unschooling you know free to learn and things like that um so I thought wow you you are certainly exploring that could you tell me a little bit more about you know how you know what the journey has been for you from Charlotte Mason to exploring um, on schooling, or whether you have an e- eclectic sort of philosophy, and how that that works for you in home. Sure. Um, see, I've always been really attracted to Charlotte Mason philosophy, mm-hmm. um, and I was thinking the kind of two main ideas that we use within unschooling mm-hmm. is the idea that children are born persons. Mm-hmm. And actually they have everything in them for, you know, 
that they will still have in them when they're grown-ups. Yes. And it's more of a process of supporting that to grow mm -hmm. rather than filling them up with things right. that they'll need. Right. That idea that children are a bit like a plant. You know, the seed has everything in the seed yeah. to grow into the plant that it will become. Mm -hmm. And it's more a case of nurturing them mm -hmm. rather than telling them what they need to know. So I really love the born person's idea and the Charlotte Mason idea of um, laying out the feast. Yes. Um, I really yeah. love that idea. And I think they are really compatible with sort of a self-directed education. So right. I suppose in the last year or so, we have become more um, unschooly, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I think unschooling gets a bit of a different um, – a bit of a bad sort of uh, press sometimes. Oh, really? So there's kind of a, there's, there's, um, I suppose some people would think that, that unschoolers, yeah, I don't know. I think some people think that unschoolers have kind of no rules mm -hmm. and just all rules go out the window. Right. And that's not the case with us. You know, we still have, um, you know, rhythms and things that we do as a family together. Um, and we still have times where we do particular things. But I suppose, to be honest, as my children got older, mm -hmm. um, I just saw that actually they were learning so much stuff I was not involved in at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all these things, sometimes your children come out with things. You think, right. How do you know that? <laughs> you know, right. um, And maybe just the personality of my children. Mm. I think there were some things that were really stressful, to be honest, about me trying to teach my children or you know particularly with maths for us for example right it was just becoming quite negative and stressful whereas actually I was looking at things that they were doing just out of their interests and they were right. learning absolutely loads so yeah. at the moment we're a kind of a bit of a mix of right. that just following their interests yeah but still with the the sort of Charlotte Mason idea of laying the feast right so kind of on a day-to-day we still have a – we don't actually have morning time. We have it at tea time because we just okay. found that worked better for our family. Yeah. But we have a kind of read aloud time and where we'll be looking at art or discussing different things. So we still have those kind of, you know, basic components of right. living books and good literature, but we don't do as much of the, um, I suppose, sort of more formal learning yeah. at the moment. But, yeah. 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 Um, no, yeah, that's I, kind of where we're at. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I can see where the similarities lie. Um, Charlotte Mason's principal idea of children are born persons um, sort of um, correlate with the idea of unschooling in, in a way. Um, but I, I also see that, there, that that's probably where the divergence starts in that, you know, in laying the feast you are sort of setting the rails a little bit for your, your child. Mm -hmm. You're not telling them what to eat, but you're kind of saying, well, yep. here's, the, here's the banquet. Here's <laughs> the parameters yeah. of, of the feast. And this is good food, right? And that's what yeah. we do anyway when it comes to everything with raising our children, whether we want to admit it or not. So I think that, that you know, gets me to my next point that you, what I see from your... Um, your Instagram and, and online um, and representation is, is a lot of creative activities going on in your home. So I'm sure you've made the atmosphere so enticing that <laughs> screens aren't the only things that are available to your children. Um, I, I see not just art, but a lot of um, creative, including cooking um, and, mm -hmm. and making stuff, which is such a rich diet for your children to do. So I'd really love to hear about how you set the, the, a banquet of different artistic rituals and practices in your home for your children. Sure. I mean, Instagram as well is quite, it's not the whole picture, is it? We're not always doing <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> creative things, you know, um, but no, I suppose I try to. And just before I kind of get into talking more, I think a lot of it is just attitude, isn't it? And mm -hmm. I think I do. A lot of us find mess quite stressful. But just mm -hmm. thinking, actually, if our children are going to be creative, then we need to chill out about the mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's been kind of a major learning curve for me. Yeah, I struggle with um, that, I must say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we all do, don't we? Especially in lockdown. Yes. Um, so I think... I think kind of a sort of um, 
if I talk about the sort of weekly practices yeah. okay. of how we of how we kind of get into um, the art study, and then maybe yeah. that'll, that'll kind of lead into creating. Amazing to hear about. Um, so I think I found it really helpful to think about how art study can actually be a basis for um, so much other learning, and I think that's that has kind of helped me to prioritize it because it can sort of seem like an extra thing can't it like if we get around to doing art or get around to doing artist study yeah actually I was making a little note here about how art study I think is it's often an easier way for children to engage with then lots of other things so I was um I just did a bit of a brainstorm here about um for example if you're talking about Frida Kahlo the Mm -hmm. Mexican artist Mm -hmm. and I was doing a bit of a brainstorm about all the things that come up when you're engaging with her work. Right. Um, so I was thinking, so for example, with Frida yes. Kahlo, um, you'd be talking about politics, you'll be talking about history, talking about relationships, talking about art, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we kind of improving our skills in debating with our children, like, is this a good picture, is this not? Right. We kind of, yeah, we make food with it, geography, philosophy, mental health, all those things. And I found that really helpful kind of, basis for then why it should be a priority every week to be creative and focus on art study um so i've my kind of point that that was leading into is that sometimes you might find that one artist is kind of bringing out all this other stuff and actually you want to kind of make it last longer than a week and you might spend you know a month studying the same artist so i found that quite helpful yeah. Um, but th- these are some things that we do in our house kind of weekly so every week I'll put some pictures up mm-hmm. just in our, on our kitchen wall just stick them up so I, I like to go on eBay and just get some secondhand art books or when charity shops are back open just yeah. or just cut the pictures out and stick them up on the wall mm-hmm. um, and then this is quite a key thing of how we relate to those pictures so mm-hmm. I've just got a few ideas here of ways that we engage with the picture mm-hmm. so one thing we'll do is we'll look at the, the picture and yeah. we'll just sketch it out okay and then another thing we might do is recreate the picture but like with our bodies um yeah. or taking photos of each other recreating the picture that can be hard if it's kind of abstract mm-hmm. but right. there you go. um you could <laughs> can do. Uh, another idea trouble, right? sometimes <laughs> yeah um Another idea we sometimes do is to um, tell, the, like, make up a story of what's right. going on in the picture. Right. Or another thing we do is I'll take the picture down and cover it over so we can't see it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get the children to see what they can remember about that picture. Right. That's a very Charlotte Mason approach, isn't it? Narrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the narration. Yeah. Um, or I might just cover over a section and see what we can remember about that section. Mm-hmm. or we'll cover it over and then we'll draw see what we can remember or do something like if you had to describe this in three words how would you do it right so I think having pictures up is a really key thing yes and usually actually before I even get to that sort of narration aspect we'll just have it up there for a few days without even really drawing attention to it right so that the children just become familiar with it yes um and then over the course of a few weeks, I'll just put a few more by the same artist, just stick a few more pictures up, and right. usually the children will notice them and start to engage with them. Yes. And another thing we sort of um, do weekly is we'll have some sort of art-related read-aloud mm-hmm. in our mix of different books. Um, and at the maybe later on, I could mention a few resources. I would and love then that. I think we would definitely come to that. We're going sure, to. Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think we've li- talked a little bit about it, but we do like to kind of do a practical art project mm-hmm. related to the artist. So, yeah. you know, for with Frida Kahlo, for example, within the Meet the Artist curriculum, I sort of encourage people to do some self-portraits. Right. Um, so some sort of art project that relates to that artist so right. that you can really engage with what they're all about. Right. And then so one thing somebody, we really like. Yeah. Sorry, Rebecca, I was just going to say, so if yeah. somebody hadn't engaged with your resource, 
for example. Yeah. What kind of tips would you give them to stimulate them to think about how they could create projects if they wanted to engage with an artist, say Van Gogh, for example? What's the, what's the methodology, if you like, um, when you're thinking about creating projects around an artist? Where we, how, how would you, or, or strategy, if you, if you like, how would you think about that? Sure. Um, I suppose I've always thought, like, what makes that artist unique? Mm-hmm. Um, and or is there a particular picture that you as a family like? So, for example, with Van Gogh, like, you know, a lot of children are really drawn to the sunflowers. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably just think, what what are we drawn to as a family? And then what can we do to kind of develop that? I think basically so that the children have a connection yeah. to that artist. I think but it's all about just helping us to feel right. like we connect with the art. And right. it's not like this big, scary thing. <laughs> so yeah. maybe you'd get some sunflowers and draw the sunflowers or... I don't know, um, play around with different shades of yellow with the sunflowers picture. So what I'm hearing is maybe think about an object in the picture or a colour or something, a schema within the picture that you connect with. Sure, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. or if there's a particular technique, like if it's, a um, say, Barbara Hepworth, who's a sculptor, then I guess playing around with sculpture Um, would be the obvious one or you know if there's a particular technique there then maybe to focus on that right love it (laughs) thank you (laughs) brilliant and then um something else we do is we have a gallery it's quite a fancy term for it basically up our stairs we just blue tack whatever the kids are painting or drawing we just stick that up and I have a little sign that says you know march gallery so we'll put it up you know we'll keep sticking them up and that's a really nice way for everybody to notice what we're all doing. Yeah. And then I at the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really yeah. boosts the children's confidence, doesn't it? To see their own work up um, on, on the wall. Yeah. yeah. And you do that on a monthly basis. Do that on a monthly basis. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then actually it's really interesting as a parent to take all the pictures down. So then mm-hmm. I sort them into, you know, each child has a pile and mm-hmm. it's just interesting to note what sort of thing they've been doing. Yes. Um, so that you can notice, all right, they're quite into drawing comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get a few resources in to right. explore oh. that or that sort of thing. It's quite interesting to note that. Yeah, it's a great way. To- it's such a good idea to keep these things because you just never know what you find just looking back, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I think having a monthly gallery has been quite helpful. And then I think, like I sort of mentioned before, I think for us just making space like physical space so Mm -hmm. desks or a table and time for the kids to create stuff and then like I mentioned before just being relaxed you know as you can (laughs) about the mess I mean obviously children need to help out with clearing it up and getting into good habits with that but I think it's just helpful to remember isn't it that if we want to home educate then our homes are not going to look like show homes (laughs) and we do need to be a bit relaxed about you know a bit of mess also I think yeah (laughs) um doesn't reflect that of course but that's the reality (laughs) that's the yeah exactly that's Instagram though isn't it it doesn't show the real life um and I think sort of financially investing in nice art resources you know Mm -hmm. clay or nice paints or whatever um so that the children have got nice things to create art with right um and then I think, in, you know, in, in normal life, weekly or every other week or something, we would try to go to see some art, right? Um, whether that's in a museum or a gallery or, you know, just looking out for street art or yeah. noticing things around you, just making an effort to yeah go and see interesting things as kind of part of the feast. Yeah. Of, um, yeah. I really- love that because um one of the things that struck me about your curriculum is the fact that you've got such a wide variety of art I know we yeah whether it's classical education or Charlotte Mason tend to sort of um, lean towards the the classical canon of artists like the uh-huh. renaissance and and <laughs> modern artists yeah. um even and and um forget that there are there are so many other genres 
that that children are interested in like my son adores Banksy um (laughs) (laughs) so when I saw Banksy in your um, list of artists I thought oh gosh this is so good I mean we've had to research it ourselves I'm not an artist so I've let him direct and he's copied a lot of his work um which he he's done quite quite well but it will be so good to look at somebody like yourself who's done art history and look at your work and maybe explore some of the different avenues that we may not have thought of but that that is not that kind of diversity is not something that you find every day within within. no definitely yeah I think that is a that is definitely a um downfall of quite a well not downfall but you know a downside to a lot of Mm -hmm. art history you know, certainly my degree, for example, is a lot of old white men, mostly European men <laughs> who we studied. Um, and that's just not reflective, actually, of who's been creating art throughout the whole yeah. of the world. So I've really tried to do that with the curriculum. Mm. Um, and the fact is, you know, pe- people are interested in different things and children especially are interested in different things <laughs> and right. um, not always in the things that we think are kind of great art you know um, yeah. yeah Banksy is a classic and and different street artists mm-hmm. I think anything you can engage with can't you and it's interesting and good art is should be raising questions and um yeah if children are engaged in that then yeah. Banksy yeah. can do as well as Monet or whatever you know <laughs> for helping our children to engage and develop right. yeah I mean I'm all for looking at the masters as well I think there's a lot of discipline sure. Especially yeah. when you look at the, their lives and, and, and all of that. But I, I think having a, a breadth, a diversity, yeah. that even in looking at female artists, um, black artists, Asian artists, which all of which I yeah. see that you have included in your curriculum is, is exciting. Right. No, this is quite a rich list you've given us here, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> um, you know, uh, just starting with having pictures out, you, you know, on a on a on a weekly basis so from this I sense that you change your artists even though you have a monthly gallery but you look at different artists every week that's quite a a a quick turnaround for a lot of us (laughs) sure yeah and I mean like I said yeah yeah I think because sometimes you might find Mm. that it doesn't the artist doesn't particularly spark a great interest right so that's why I, I don't know and um so you might start out with a mm-hmm. studying mono for example and find that everybody just absolutely loves it and then you can just carry on right but if you study mono and everybody is sort of you know dragging their heels and yeah. not massively enjoying it you can still study mono for a bit but then move on to banksy or whatever and yes keep it moving so that it's yeah we you know the, the whole family are engaged not just yeah. Right, yeah. one, two. No, I understand. And, and and that's why the diversity is important, isn't it? And that works yeah. with, with your approach. Um, I think that the, the Charlotte Mason norm is to maybe stick with an artist for a couple of weeks to a month so that the children become familiar with their style. And l- like the approach you suggested, having pictures up sort of subliminally without saying anything, you take in so much, right? You don't even realise that yeah. you're taking so much of it. Um, no, this yeah. is brilliant. And recreating the picture visually, I love that. <laughs> I think we would, we, <laughs> we will try. <laughs> I will suggest it. I'm not sure if I will personally. Um, <laughs> making up a story, I think that's brilliant. Making up a story about it. Um, I read somewhere recently that you should never put up a picture that you wouldn't want to walk into. I think that's a quote. Right, you know, and yeah. and you know, yeah. so that really stayed with me. And I like that idea of putting up a picture, you know. And making up a story, like you'd want to step into that picture and where you would be. I, I love what you've just said there. Um, it's all a way of bring, making it come alive for the children, isn't it? And, yeah, that's, and, that is it. Yeah. I yeah. think um, I think art history, I was thinking as I sort of prepared to come on here, I think art history for a lot of us is a bit like um, other subjects, maybe like maths or Shakespeare, or it's something that we sort of, Think, oh my gosh, you know, it's so heavy, and maybe we've not had brilliant experience of it as children, and we think mm. it's this kind of really precious um, 
thing that's just for kind of posh people do you know yeah. what I mean right. like a lot of a lot of us as grown-ups think mm. oh Shakespeare it's just yeah. kind of the reason I've always found art history so interesting is it's I've just found it an easier way to engage in history mm-hmm. I suppose a bit like the living books idea yeah um you know it's much easier to think about the Spanish Civil War or something if you're reading a book about it and I think it's the same with art it just um opens it up in a way that's perhaps easier to relate to Right. And, and you know, I think that's such a good point because I, I must admit that I've always enjoyed art. I mean, I didn't grow up studying it or finding it particularly accessible, um, but I I appreciate beauty. <laughs> you know, this is uh-huh. one of the yeah. things. Um, but doing art study with my son has made me have a deeper appreciation and probably find it more accessible than I would have done. And for him, this is no big deal. He, because this is what he's seen and known, he finds, you know, we we study the art and we study the artist as well. So it it is no big deal for him at all to walk into a gallery and to look at it you know, as, as a young yeah. person. Um, and I know that's not the case for a lot of people. So I, I think that that is so important, the, the work that you're doing and, and just exactly what you're saying. Um, and, and one of the things, like you said, that makes that easy to do is being able to study the artists, to look at their lives and to see that a lot of them may have had difficult, you know, upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, troubled childhood, like Van Gogh, for example, yeah. you know, and realizing that actually you're not limited just by your struggles, your work could speak for itself outside of your own difficulties. Degas yeah. and Beethoven and and all of these people had challenges, which in yeah. a way, you know, I think could be quite inspiring for children. Um, and, yeah, and, definitely. And break down those barriers. There's a quote that Charlotte Mason gives in... Um, in ourselves where she I'm just going to cut into it a bit and she says the artist reaching that heaven might so replenish him above and through his art has indispensable lessons to give us whether he convey them through the brush of the painter the vast parables of the architect or through such another cathedral built of sound as apt Vogler produced the outward and visible signs is of less moment than the inward and spiritual grace and I found that quote really poignant in propelling me towards more artist study in that she's sort of saying that there is something even spiritual um, uh, that that we gain from studying the artist's life not just mm-hmm. their work because we see the process and it's almost like you you kind of see the zeitgeist this flow working through them and how they've had to struggle to overcome their own limitations to a point where they become the artist right yeah um and yeah and, yeah and it's the same reason why you would study Plutarch to look at heroes to look at their story of transformation and fairy tales and all of these things I think um so so just looking at the work is one thing but looking at that the life of the person is also quite powerful and I see yeah, that definitely that quite a bit in your curriculum because you said you know recommend reading living books about the artists as well right yeah, yeah. and how how do you um, I mean and I'm just going to go back to what you said at the beginning about um using art study as a kind of spine to talk about different topics um yeah how do you make that come alive with with reading living books in at home and and sort of can you give me an example of how that spiraled out sure um so I mean I think with children with a lot of things if you are reading good books or engaging with good art and you just kind of let it sit Mm. (laughs) um, and allow the children to ask questions then they will ask questions so for example um we studied Picasso right and read a book about his life um and we particularly focused on this one painting called Guernica I don't know if you're familiar with that but it's this absolutely enormous painting that he did during the Spanish Civil War actually okay um and it's a really really powerful picture and I think even just talking about the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. then um, some questions will just automatically come up 
And I suppose there's a sort of balance between allowing the space to see what the children are interested in. Mm-hmm. So my children were really interested in the in the war and um you know what that was all about and sort of injustice of that and you know different things like that but it might be that your child is interested in a different thing so it's kind of a balance of predicting what they might be interested in and having perhaps other resources available like another book about the spanish civil war or a documentary about that or something um so it's kind of leaving the space but having the resources and i think just trying to um as a family just um engage in all the different aspects so for example having spanish food or that just kind of like you say bringing it to life i mean mm. actually with that we ended up um we went to madrid partly because i was like we need to see this picture because i remember seeing it when i was little this mm-hmm. painting guernica it's just absolutely enormous so we ended up going to madrid to see it which was um really brilliant but obviously we can't do that at the moment but um right yeah, yeah it's just a balance of sort of predicting yeah and having other resources available yeah. but leaving the space and just listening to their questions I guess isn't it like with all the different subjects mm, mm. brilliant yeah. I think um what Charlotte Mason would will call this a science of relations not that everything we, we talk about here has to be Charlotte Mason, <laughs> but she's just one of these people that captures so much when it comes to education that you can't yeah. help but find her in almost everything in that you know talking about and this is how our brains work anyway we're always looking for a, a re- relationship between things um mm-hmm. but we we do s- similar things in that um if we are studying um, uh, history, we would look for an artist that fits in within that time so that it sort of forms this body of work around the period that we're studying. We would also maybe look at the science that was happening around that time as well. So I think it's just really beautiful that you start from the premise of art and then look at the other topics from from art. I never thought about it that way. Um, It's it's quite inspiring, actually, because it's so true. Just looking at a picture, there's so much else contextually that you can draw from just one picture and and Guernica would would be one uh, of those I mean it really depicts the 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 pain and suffering and and mess of war doesn't it so I could see how that that could be quite a powerful picture to 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 start a discussion with with your with your children yes yeah I suppose like you say it's kind of whatever you as a parent to be honest are more excited by so I you know I get excited by art but you might (laughs) naturally get excited by something else so I suppose you could yeah start from a um yeah whatever is your starting point and then bringing in lots of other topics isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. we certainly do do that and I I think then it's it's a bit like bringing the picture and and um and recreating the picture and walking through it really when it all comes together like that the, the children feel like they've had an immersive experience um, and I think the learning sips in a, a lot more fantastic yep. Ossimandias an ekphrastic poem by Percy Bay Shelley I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive stamped on those lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away.
So tell me yeah. a little bit about these resources, which we've inferred a lot um, or referred to a lot. <laughs> and I know you started, was it last year that you launched your curriculum? Well, I only noticed you last year. Um, yeah. 20-week courses, which immediately drew my, you know, caught my attention because I'd sort of launched a, 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 a an artist study, very rudimentary artist study, my Liturgy of Love morning time resource. So when I saw this, I thought, this is amazing. I'd love, but I actually thought it was a Zoom talk course that you were doing. <laughs> I would have loved to just plunk my child in there and get on with something else. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> You're them loser mums out there who would appreciate that. So, um, Tell me, what, what inspired this idea and to, to come up with these resources and how's that process? Sure. Tell me a little bit about the resource itself and who's involved, who are the artists that, that are included. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, it was last summer. I was actually out running when I have all my good ideas. <laughs> and I just realised, I think, that there just weren't many art history resources out there, actually. Mm. Um, so we, I've been meeting up with two other families for years and years actually and we do kind of some Shakespeare study together and a few different bits together and I'd been doing a little bit of art with them and I was sort of looking around for resources I mm. thought there aren't really any resources and then I thought well maybe I could write one you know this mm. is my two kind of areas of expertise are art history and I now have quite a lot of experience with engaging with home educated children whether my mm. own or other families mm. so I just thought well Maybe I'll just write something that we can use. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of grew out of that. So, yeah, I started with the 20-week course, which mm -hmm. is probably where I'd recommend people to start. Um, yeah. I can't remember all the names of the artists, but it's kind of a yeah. mixture of um, kind of well, Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I really tried to make it diverse. So there's men and women. Mm -hmm. There's people from all around the world and mm -hmm. throughout the ages. And I really tried to pick different um, techniques and styles for each um, sort of week or however long you want to spend for it. So, for example, collage or watercolor or um, sculpture to mm -hmm. kind of, um, yeah, just to, for it to be fun for the children to try different mm -hmm. things each week. Um, so that's what started. And then I just wrote a few more because I actually I really enjoyed doing it. <laughs> I really enjoyed the sort of challenge as a parent to, um, you know, engage my brain in a different way and even things like designing a website and all that. I found it, um, you know, quite enjoyable actually as a parent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually, sorry, I can't remember your original question. I no, no, just... that's it really. Just tell me about how you got there and, and, and what, yeah. what inspired yeah. you. And so since then, you've written um, a few others. Um, the next one was your winter and Christmas, which I think is, is, is was timely because we, our rhythms as home educators tend to change around seasonal um, uh, periods. Christmas or Advent has its own feel. So notice that you had a, a four weeks course with different artists that um, cover that period. Um and, and there was a black artist that you included in that, which is quite interesting. And I was thinking, ah, I, I wonder what the correlation is with this piece of art, street art. Was it Jean-Baptiste? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, Jean-Michel Basquiat. It's a, yeah, he's a New York, a black New York artist um, in like the 1960s, 70s. The dates okay. are sort of failing me now. Um I think that actually was just an artist that my children were always really drawn to. Right, I just found right. him really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it would be an interesting style for the children to try and recreate. And it brought up some interesting topics when we talked about him in our family. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not, it's not always particularly nice stuff. So actually he had a really sad life and mm. um, so, yeah, but that's, it's interesting to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. And that was really children. big within the hip hop culture um, in New York. And sure. my yeah. has um, done a few, uh, at least one big poem to the backdrop of his artwork. Um, no, it, my son loves loves his work. We haven't looked at him in detail, but he's certainly one of those people that I, I want to explore um, <laughs> as an as an artist. Uh yeah. Interesting. And now you've also recently launched um, 
a, a female artist around the world, which is so exciting. Tell me a little bit about that and the inspiration, why you decided that this was particularly important at this time. Yeah, I suppose I just thought a little bit like we were saying earlier that art history can tend to be dominated by white men and mm. it, it can just, is that's just not reflective of the world, is it? Right. Um, mm. And there's just so many so much interesting art out there and mm. I think from a home educator's point of view I just thought it would help families to just get some really interesting ideas and mm. countries that maybe we wouldn't necessarily study and mm. um yeah I just thought it would it would kind of help us as families to maybe broaden um Horizon. Our, yeah. What, yeah yeah broaden the content of our children's education basically which can sometimes be quite white content like you said like yeah. I don't know the authors that we read or um yeah I just wanted to broaden it out a bit and to be honest there was lots of artists I'd kind of heard a little bit about but didn't actually know loads about myself so it yeah. was a chance for me to learn a bit more um yourself and I, I I think a lot of other homemade parents will also appreciate because it's um you're looking at different countries as well from around the world it allows people who are doing geography units or history units to pick and choose different artists um, that align yeah. with whatever they're studying so I think you probably find that a lot of people may not l look at it chronologically in the way that you've set it but it's a, a mm -hmm. Resource to draw from, so I can only thank you for the contribution you're making to the home. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many people out there doing a, a lot of stuff, but we've um, in the UK, I find a, a lot of where well, my experience so far has been that a, a lot of us have kind of been on the consumer end in terms of home education <laughs> from the Americans. <laughs> so I, I think it's just been. It's been beautiful to observe over the last few years more and more curriculum coming through from homemade mums in the UK. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here to talk about your work and inspire us to keep loving, creating, appreciating art at home with our children. Rebecca, this has been so rich. Do you have any final words to parents, whether home ed or whether they are you know, parents with children full-time at school who may still want to create a, an atmosphere of rich art at home, what final words would you say to them, people who feel like, oh, gosh, I can't do this, I'm not an artist, I don't know anything, I'm not an artist, but yeah. I didn't study this. You know, what final words would you say to them? Um, I think just try and cultivate maybe a bit of enjoyment in your own creative process so I think a lot of us do have hang-ups don't we like I'm not good at art but I think if we're able to let that go a bit and make art alongside our children mm -hmm. and just kind of model just giving it a go and having fun mm -hmm. um in our little home ed group we have two mottos which is um there's no such thing as bad art and mm -hmm. everyone's an artist and we always say that because there's always some children who I like, oh, this is rubbish and I can't do it. <laughs> and I think trying to model that. and But at the same time, not forcing your children to, you know, be creative if they don't necessarily want to be creative. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, having good books around. So I was going to mention earlier, actually, I've just got a couple of books that I would mm, um, recommend if people like, maybe don't necessarily know where to start. If you have little children, there's some really good books um, by Lawrence Anholt. I don't know if you're aware of him. So he's done some really lovely picture books about different artists. And then there's a whole series of books called The Katie Books. Yes. By I James Mayhew. Love very lovely. Yeah. Right. Um, there's one, the one kind of main book, if people are looking for just sort of an introduction to a history mm -hmm. of art to read aloud with their family, is a book called Vincent Starry Night right. by Michael Bird. Um, and actually, when I bought it, I actually bought two copies. And it may sound a bit harsh, but I cut the other one up so that it's got really lovely pictures in. So we'd stick the picture up and then read the chapter. And then so that's that's a really good book um, for families to start with. Wonderful. Um, that 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 yeah. um, expands beyond just Vincent van Gogh. It, it's just the name of the, the title. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. That's just the that's just the title. Yeah. Right. 
Brilliant. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I must bear in mind, you, you have mentioned, you know, buying secondhand books and cutting them up. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> sacrilegious. <laughs> but that's what I love about art, right? You can, there are no rules. <laughs> no rules, no. <laughs> but I'm not sure about encouraging that in my home. <laughs> I might come back and find half the book's gone. <laughs> you want me to read Plutarch? What? Let's cut it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll take that with a pinch of salt and hope my son doesn't listen sure, to this. Yeah. <laughs> he might give him ideas. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much. It's been incredibly useful. And I know that many parents are going to benefit from listening to this and um, and hope that this is a beginning of several other conversations that we will have in the future on here. So thank you for coming. Sure, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, we'd appreciate if you could take the time to subscribe, share, or write a review. This would also help others who need to find the show find us quickly. Also, if you would like to find out more about Homegrown Sunshine, please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, keep nurturing your own sunshine.